0: You're a seismologist working at a geological observatory. In the morning, you check the equipment that monitors seismic activity and adjust the instruments. Then you inspect the movements of tectonic plates. Suddenly, one of the devices shows a strange signal. It's like a small earthquake. You make a record of this push and continue working, but the signal repeats again. A little time passes and the devices fix it for the third time. You understand that this is not an earthquake, because the signal is too weak for this. It repeats every 26 seconds and resembles a pulse. The human heart pulses close to the center of the chest. The pulse of the planet also comes from its center, the equator. You call other specialists and tell them about the unusual phenomenon, but no one knows what it is. Also, you can't determine the source of the pulse. You arrive at the place where the vibration comes from and find nothing the ground still pulses under your feet but it's impossible to figure out the reason in the 1960s the pulse called microseism was discovered by seismologists in the u.s more than 50 years have passed but scientists around the world still don't know the nature of this phenomenon it looks as if our planet has a heart hidden inside its crust beating every 26 seconds According to researchers, this heart may be located in the southern or equatorial part of the Atlantic Ocean in the Gulf of Guinea. This area is called the Bight of Bonnie. Every winter, the pulse becomes stronger, then it weakens again by the summer. When scientists began exploring this place, they put forward a theory that the ocean could create the pulse. Waves hit the continental shelf of the planet. That impact deforms the ocean floor. A human hand hitting a table works on the same principle. Sit on one side of the table and put your hands on it. Let someone else hit the table from the opposite side. You will feel a vibration. Ocean waves hitting the coastline create a similar effect. Someone may object that there are waves all over the world, not only at the equator. Yes, but that's where the sun heats our planet the most. Solar energy causes powerful storms and winds and accelerates ocean currents and waves. Also, in 1980, geologists found out that Earth's tremors became stronger during storms. In other words, when waves hit the shore with more power. Not all scientists agreed with this theory. Some researchers believe the planet was pulsating because of the seismic activity. It was coming from a volcano located on one of the islands in the Bight of Bonnie. The place where the pulse was the strongest is close to the volcano. But further observations showed that the Earth's tremors happened in all parts of the Gulf of Guinea. That's why scientists can't prove any of these theories. Our planet pulsates not only from within. Earth is surrounded by a thin luminous halo. It's constantly changing its shape and shimmering with different colors. If you look at our planet using special equipment, you'll see that Earth is inside an uneven pulsating bubble. It's located at an altitude of 50 to 400 miles above Earth's surface. This bubble is called the ionosphere. That's a layer of charged particles that separates the upper atmosphere from space. In other words, this is the boundary that sets apart the region where you can still breathe and a complete vacuum of space. The International Space Station travels inside the ionosphere. Most of our satellites also move within the borders of the pulsating bubble. This natural phenomenon can both help and disrupt the operations of communication and navigation systems. It helps radio and GPS signals to get to our mobile phones, but it can also interrupt the stable connection. It all depends on the number and density of charged particles. Sunlight takes away one or two electrons from the gases surrounding our planet, and they become charged particles. These particles make up the ionosphere, It's constantly changing its shape and size. It happens because the planet rotates around its axis and the sunlight falls on it unevenly. During the day, the ionosphere is always larger than at night. Because of this pattern, it's pulsating and constantly moving. This instability shortens the life of orbiting satellites and often puts them out of work. Radio and GPS signals pass through the ionosphere and get reflected from charged particles. Then, they fly further to their destination, to phones, navigators, and other devices with GPS and radio receivers. Our planet is not only pulsating, but also buzzing. The noise that Earth produces is called the hum. It's impossible to record this sound, but even so, 2-4% to of people on the planet hear it. All over the world, people who aren't connected in any way speak about a weird buzzing sound. It interrupts their sleep and doesn't let them concentrate. This noise follows them everywhere. Perhaps you also hear it, but don't pay attention. But once you notice the hum, you won't be able to unhear it. Some residents of a small village in Scotland describe this humming as a thick, low frequency sound. There's a website on the internet with a map where people all over the world register and describe this mysterious noise almost everywhere it's a low frequency vibration barely perceptible to the human ear sometimes people say it resembles the noise of an airplane flying overhead but quieter some people describe it as the sound of a running truck engine placed in the backyard it's humming in the street when they come home and it gets louder when they are lying in bed if you hear it too you can mark it on the map At a distance of
1: 640 light-years from the Sun, scientists discovered planet WASP-76b, where it rains iron. The planet is very close to its sun and always turned to it in the same side. The term is tidally locked. The temperature on the sunny side is so high that metals melt and evaporate there. The other half of the planet is cool enough so that metals condense again and fall down as rain. Speaking of tidal locks, our Moon is the same way. There's no dark side to our satellite, it's just always turned to us with one side. When the Moon happens to be in between the Earth and the Sun, what we call its dark side becomes brightly lit. We just can't see it from our planet. Hmm, Figures. A recent study claims that the Moon has a tail. And every month, it wraps around our planet like a scarf. A slender tail made up of millions of atoms of sodium follows Earth's natural satellite. And our planet regularly travels directly through it. Meteor strikes blast these sodium atoms out of the Moon's surface and further into space. You won't believe it, but the Moon seems to be shrinking. Earth's natural satellite is now 150 feet smaller than it used to be hundreds of millions of years ago. The reason for this phenomenon might be the cooling of the Moon's insides. It could also explain the quakes shaking the surface of our planet's natural satellite. Astronomers have recently found out that Mars is seismically active. Mars quakes occur there on a regular basis. For several days every month, the Moon remains between the Sun and our planet. That's when Earth's gravity picks up that sodium tail. Our planet drags it into a long stripe that wraps around its atmosphere. This lunar tail is totally harmless. It's also invisible to the human eye, 50 times dimmer than what you can perceive. But on those rare days, high-powered telescopes can spot its faint yellowish glow in the sky. The tail looks like a gleaming spot that's five times the moon's full diameter. Turns out there are plenty of planets in the universe, and even in the Milky Way galaxy, that have liquid or frozen water on them. The closest one is within our solar system. It's Europa, one of Jupiter's moons. Scientists are almost sure that, underneath its frozen surface, there's an actual ocean of water. But it's too soon to be hyped about possible life on such planets. Liquid water is only one of many things that have to come together for life to appear on a planet. A star in the galaxy GSN 069 is likely to turn into a planet the size of Jupiter in the next trillion years. It might happen because of the star's regular encounters with a black hole. First, astronomers noticed unusual X-ray bursts that were strangely bright. They went off every nine hours. After studying this phenomenon for some time, the scientists realized it was a star moving in a unique orbit around a black hole. The dazzling flashes? It was the material getting slurped off the star's surface by the black hole. It turned out that over millions of years, the black hole had already transformed the red giant into a white dwarf. And the process isn't going to stop whatsoever. Astronomers have found some traces of phosphine in the atmosphere of Venus. On our planet, this gas, colorless and flammable, is often found where microbes live. No wonder a new theory suggests that there might be life on Venus. But even if there was some life on the evening star, it could have only appeared in its atmosphere. Probably no living organism would be able to survive the planet's extreme environment. Venus's surface is extremely dry. There's no liquid water on the planet, and the pressure there is 90 times greater than that on Earth's surface. The temperatures often rise higher than 900 degrees. That's hot enough to melt some metals. As for vacations there, I'll pass. In fact, there's a place millions of light-years away where there's a whole floating space cloud made entirely of water. There's so much of it that we could fill all our oceans 140 trillion times over. Slightly more than what we need. Water on Earth is actually a puzzle shrouded in mystery and covered with riddles. The most popular theory is that it was brought to our planet by icy comets and asteroids that left behind not only mighty craters, but the liquid substance thanks to which we can now thrive. But in space, there's a whole lot of organic matter. And under specific conditions, it could yield so much water, it would be enough to fill our oceans thousands of times over. Researchers conducted an experiment in which they heated this organic matter and obtained clear water and oil. If this is confirmed in future studies, it could mean that even oil appeared on Earth not only thanks to fossilized remains of living beings, but came from outer space as well. And yet, There might just be about 6 billion Earth-like planets in the Milky Way galaxy alone. The latest data has shown that every fifth sun-like star can have at least one planet in its habitable zone. And not just any planet, mind you. It has a rocky core and surface, and it's of comparable size to the Earth. Being inside the habitable zone of its star, such a planet would have high chances of becoming home to living creatures. Microbes, at least. And if there are billions of these planets in our galaxy, you could safely say that at least one of them is not only habitable, but inhabited already. They say somewhere out there, there's a pen that can work in zero gravity, at extreme temperatures, and even underwater. They say this pen can write on almost any surface, or if you turn it upside down, or when your surroundings are heated up to 570 degrees Fahrenheit. They say NASA spent millions or probably billions of dollars and almost a decade to develop such a pen. The problem with ballpoint pens in space is that they don't work in the conditions of weightlessness. The ink can't flow to the ball normally since gravity doesn't affect it. Instead, pressure is created in the ink reservoir and pens start leaking. Some time ago, NASA used pencils, but wooden pencils were considered to be a fire hazard in most spaceships. All because, at that time, the atmosphere inside them was 100% oxygen. The need for a super pen was obvious. But whatever the rumors claim, NASA did not create such a pen, spending a fortune on the research. Its development was sponsored by Paul C. Fisher of the Fisher Pen Company based in Chicago. He spent over $1 million and almost 10 years to make a pressurized ink cartridge. It was supposed to allow space pens to function in zero gravity and other extreme conditions. Eventually, they got a pen that could write at a temperature of minus 30 to 250 degrees Fahrenheit. Which is really impressive, isn't it? The pen was patented in 1966, and one year later, after conducting several thorough tests, NASA started to provide Apollo astronauts with such pens. Interestingly, the rumors about NASA spending an insane amount of money on the development of space pens have been circulating for decades. They have been debunked many times, but they appear again and again. Many sci-fi movies can make you believe that everything happening in space is accompanied by some kind of a sound effect, which is a totally false misconception. In space, no one will hear you scream. You know why? There's no air in space. It's an almost perfect vacuum. And sound waves don't travel through a vacuum. They can't reach your eardrums and make them vibrate, sending signals to your brain. But it's a good thing, especially for astronauts on spacewalks. If not for the quietness of space, they would be constantly overwhelmed by the noise of solar storms. Here's another one. All comets have beautiful long tails. It's nothing but a popular misconception. In reality, comets are very difficult space bodies to spot. They usually spend large amounts of time far away from stars. There, in the darkness of space, they remain rather inactive and completely frozen. Comets only get tails once they come close to a star. That's when they start warming up. This process makes them form some kind of a cloudy atmosphere, which is called a coma, and a distinctive tail. The tail always points away from the star that influences the comet. It happens because the tail gets blown in the opposite direction by solar radiation and solar winds. That's why the tail can often be in front of the comet, not trailing after it. Now, let's look at a light year. This very notion makes us believe we speak about time here. But in reality, light years measure distance. NASA's definition of a light year goes like this. The total distance that a beam of light moving in a straight line travels in a year. And since light moves at a speed of 186,000 miles per second, a light year equals almost 6 trillion miles. Hey, do the math! Now, people often believe that in space, you experience zero gravity. Hence the weightlessness astronauts feel on the International Space Station. But that's not exactly true. Gravity is one of the most important forces that exist in the universe. Thanks to it, the Moon can orbit Earth, and the Sun doesn't float away from our home Milky Way galaxy. But the astronauts on the ISS experience not full-fledged, but microgravity, which means very small gravity. The gravity on the space station is only 10% weaker than the gravity on Earth's surface. But astronauts are constantly in freefall. The spacecraft, the people inside, and all the objects aboard keep falling forward, not down, but around our planet, following a specific orbit. And since they're all falling together, the crew and the stuff inside seem to be floating. That's why astronauts can move things as heavy as hundreds of pounds with their fingertips. And even though microgravity is often called zero gravity, they're very different things. Now, it may seem as if the sun is always on fire. At least, that's what it looks like in pictures. But in reality, our star is a giant ball of gas. Hey, I can relate. Nuclear reactions happening in its core at all times makes the sun burn. Every second, hundreds of millions of tons of hydrogen are converted into almost as much helium. During this process, huge amounts of energy are released as gamma rays. Then, these rays turn into light. In other words, the sun does emit blinding light and incredible heat. But it's not actually on fire, because no oxygen is involved in the process. A human can explode if they get into open space without a spacesuit. Well, contrary to popular belief, taking off a spacesuit during a spacewalk won't be as dramatic as it's often pictured in movies. A person will lose consciousness due to a lack of oxygen after 15 seconds of being in outer space without protection. Before it happens, the person should breathe out as much air as possible. Otherwise, this oxygen will damage their lungs from the inside. Then, without the protection of the spacesuit, which is like a mini-spaceship, the pressure inside their body will drop. This will cause even more serious troubles. And even though this person definitely won't burst, they won't want to stay outside for too long. So, once they explode, stars aren't supposed to come back to life. But some of the stars somehow have survived the great supernova explosion. Such zombie stars are pretty rare. Scientists found a really big one called LP-40365. It's a partially burnt white dwarf. Now, a white dwarf is a star that has burned up all of the hydrogen, and that hydrogen was previously its nuclear fuel. In this case, the final explosion was maybe weaker than it usually is not powerful enough to destroy the entire star. It's like a star wanted to explode but didn't make it, which is why part of the matter still survived. One of those zombie stars used to be a white dwarf or just left over from an explosion. It gobbled up too much from another star and, surprisingly, managed to explode once again. If you manage to go to the moon one day and see fresh footprints, that doesn't mean there's someone else there with you. Footprints or similar marks can last for a million years over there because the moon doesn't have an atmosphere. There are no winds, not even a breeze, that can slowly erase those footprints. In outer space, you'd be strong enough to weld two pieces of metal together with your own hands. Okay, it has nothing to do with your strength. You could just press them together with no effort, and that's it. Oxygen in our atmosphere makes a thin layer on the surface of the metal, it's like a barrier which is why such a trick is impossible on Earth, but perfectly logical in outer space. If you ever go to space, don't take off your spacesuit unless you're on a spaceship. Air in your lungs would expand, as well as the oxygen in the rest of your body. You'd be like a balloon twice your regular size. Good news? The skin is elastic enough to hold you together, which means you wouldn't explode. Yeah, small comfort, huh? If you watch a very touching movie in space and start crying, your tears won't run down. They will gather around your eyeballs. Your eyes will get too dry, so you'll feel like they're burning. Any exposed liquid on your body will vaporize, including the surfaces of your tongue. Speaking of burning, there's one thing fire can't do in space. Fire can spread when there's a flow of oxygen, and since there's not any in space, If the fire breaks out in a rocket, you can simply turn off the ventilation system and voila! It can get more complicated if there's intense smoke sparking and material melting in conditions of reduced gravity. Regular foam fire extinguishers we use on Earth are useless here because they release foam randomly. Researchers are developing a fire extinguisher that will put out fires by using sound waves. The bigger the sound intensity, the bigger the flame they can put out. But the astronauts might end up deaf if the frequency is too high. A black hole is not like some starving monster that wanders around and has gravity so strong, nothing can really escape it. When something comes close to the point of no return, which we also call the event horizon, it disappears. No way back! But quantum physics claims nothing can really destroy data. So it's a true paradox. Stephen Hawking was the one with the idea of how black holes don't really have event horizons. Maybe they have apparent horizons. Those trap things for some time only. After that, the trapped energy will somehow get away, but in a different form. When something goes into a black hole, it changes shape and gets stretched out just like spaghetti. It happens because gravitational force is trying to stretch an object in one direction, but at the same time, squeeze it in another. Like a pasta paradox. Speaking of, a black hole that's as big as a single atom has the mass of a really big mountain. There's one at the center of the Milky Way called Sagittarius A. It has a mass like 4 billion suns. But luckily, it's far away from us. There are more than 23,000 pieces of so-called space junk, bigger than a softball, floating above our planet at speeds up to 17,500 miles per hour. Woo! And there are 500,000 pieces in general, some of them the size of a marble. Space waste is generally debris made up of natural particles called meteoroids and artificial particles, like things we make on the Earth. Meteoroids orbit the Sun, while the majority of human-made debris orbits our planet. For example, we launched almost 9,000 spacecraft around the world, from satellites to rocket ships. Even the tiniest pieces can damage a spacecraft at such high speeds. Galaxies, planets, comets, asteroids, stars, space bodies are things we can actually see in space. But they make up less than 5% of the total universe. Dark matter, one of the biggest mysteries in space, is the name we use for all the mass in the universe that's still invisible to us. There's a lot of it. It may even make 25% of the universe. Dark energy makes the rest of the 70% of the universe. Scientists don't know much about it, but they think dark energy could be behind the increasing expansion of the entire universe. while dark matter slows it down. Dark matter doesn't interact with us in any way that we know of, nor does it interact with itself. If it did we might be able to find dark matter galaxies, dark matter planets, or such objects. That's it for today. So hey, if you pacified your curiosity, then give the video a like and share it with your friends. Or if you want more, just click on these videos and stay on the bright side.